Hey everyone, David Chen here, chiming in at the beginning of this week's episode to let you know that the Slash Filmcast is having its 500th episode next week. Woo! 500 episodes! Can you believe it? It's crazy! It's crazy. Uh, and for that episode, we're thinking of doing a couple things, but one of them is integrating your content into the episode. Uh, and so we're looking for voicemails slash audio from you out there, you listeners, uh, and we'd like you to send them to us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Specifically, what we're looking for is one of two things. Number one, if you have a question for the folks on the podcast, uh, and number two, if you have any reflections, uh, like uh, favorite memories of the Slash Filmcast, a way that the podcast has made a difference in your life or has helped you with uh, something or another, anything like that, uh, those are the two things we're interested in. If you could send us an email uh, to slashfilmcast at gmail.com with one of those two things, uh, and it would be great if you identified which one of those two things it was. Uh, that would be great. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. You can do that, again, to slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Uh, I'd recommend if you, for instance, have an iPhone, you could use the Voice Memo app and just uh, email that to us. Uh, and, of course, if you have a microphone on your computer, that's another way to record and send audio to us. So that's it. Please do this if you're interested in doing it by Sunday, January 13th, end of day. Uh, that's the day before we're going to record the episode. So after that, it'll be difficult to integrate any audio into the episode. Um, so Sunday, January 13th, uh, 2019. It'd be great if we got your audio before then to slashfilmcast.gmail.com with either uh, a question for the show or reflection slash memory of the show. It'd also be great if you uh, put subject line voicemail uh, and let us know where you're from and what your name is. That would be great. Uh, and hopefully we'll get some great questions and reflections from you guys. Thanks a lot. Hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast and see you next week for the 500th episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Slash Filmcast. Uh, no full-length episode today after our huge, massive top ten episode last week. Uh, but I'm here with Devinder Hardwar and Jeff Kanata, and we're just going to talk about a couple of Netflix things that have come out recently. Uh, some Netflix things that are taking the world by storm. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, as well as the new Sandra Bullock film, Bird Box. Before I get into any of that, uh, I want to mention you can find more episodes of the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. And uh, I also want to mention I am an employee of uh, Amazon Prime Video before we get started. Uh, although my views only represent myself and not those of my company. So I just want to call that out before we start. Uh, but all that said, let's dive into Black Mirror Bandersnatch. I'm having these vivid dreams like thinking weird things. What sorts of things? We're going to be a hit factory, like Motel, but for computer games. You heard it here first. Bandersnatch. It's an adventure game based on the book. Jerome F. Davies was a genius. See that bloke who went cuckoo and cut his wife's head off? When it's a concert piece, a bit of madness is what you need. So... This is a movie that I, I was very intrigued by. 
mm-hmm. a Netflix interactive film. We have yeah. been big fans of Black Mirror. We've devoted whole episodes to Black Mirror, uh, you know, seasons, right? Just talking about all the different entries into the anthology. And uh, I think we're all at least intrigued by this, right? Um, so, Jeff Kanata, I'm going to start with you because yeah. you host a video game podcast, I've heard, called <laughs> DLC. Indeed, I do. Uh, and so this movie seems like it's going to be right up your alley in terms of combining two of your great loves, movies and video games, right? It's, a, it's an yeah, interactive it's, movie, right? Interactive storytelling. It is indeed. Uh, and um, more than that, I, I'm, I wonder – I'm a little bit older than you guys, and I wonder how much of your childhood you were reading Choose Your Own Adventure books because I, I – I don't know if those persisted very long, but they were a big part of my years growing up. Were, were, were you guys in it? Did you read those books? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge part of my, my upbringing. And also, not only that, uh, this is not the first interactive movie I have experienced. I actually <laughs> – there was a movie called Mr. Payback uh, mm. that came out in like the 1990s. And it was an interactive movie that was written and partially written and directed by Bob Gale, who was a co-writer for Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And it was and it's this movie, Mr. Payback, starred Christopher Lloyd. And every seat in the theater was outfitted with a controller that had three buttons on it. Wow. And at various points in the movie, it would be like, it's, Mr. Payback is a cyborg who like – messes people up who are bad and it's like do you want to like use the you know cattle prod do you want to use the knife you know like you get to choose like the thing (laughs) that you want and the movie was 20 minutes long and it cost full price to go see it and i went to see it and i was so impressed like the movie i was so impressed that i went back and saw it again right after like uh saw it twice in a row even though it cost full price and the movie was 20 minutes long and then later when you watch like clips from it on youtube and stuff you realize that the movie is actually very horrible so you know i'm I'm just saying that like yeah i'm a huge interactive story you know and sega cd right like phantasmagoria night trap night trap Trap. i'm i'm a i'm an fmv full motion video on cd rom zombie from way back Uh, and so yeah i'm i'm was very much in that culture when i was growing up jeff yeah, I mean, I think more than trying to be uh, a video game, I mean, it's a movie <clears throat> about video games, about video game design, but I, I think it is really more attempting to capture what it was like to read those books. And I say that because the structure, uh, how, how much spoiling are we doing right Let's now? Let's just say we're going to spoil the whole thing. So, like, okay. it's pretty hard to talk about it without spoiling it. So, yeah. We're going to spoil Black, Black Mirror Bandersnatch starting right now. Yeah, there's and there's some spoiler moments, so you probably want to experience it. Uh, I would say if, if you want to experience it, you 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 can be spoiled. Although I have no idea what you guys saw versus what I saw, so yeah. it's a, it's an interesting thing. Um, so structurally, I think the movie is much more concerned with g- delivering the experience of reading those choose your adventure, choose your own adventure books and. I say that because the experience I had, and I think most kids had reading the Choose Your Own Adventure books, was it would say, if you want to do this, turn to page 27. If you want to do this, turn to page 42. And you would hold your finger where you were, and you would look on both pages, and you would find out (laughs) if you died on one or not. 
Uh. And then you would go back and you'd go to the other one because it wasn't like a video game, at least a lot of video games these days, which are attempting to create uh, narrative. I'm thinking mostly of David Cage's work, games like Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human and Beyond Two Souls, uh, which are these very complex systems in which you can make granular choices, big, broad choices, and all of them deliver fracturing narratives that give you different experiences. But very few of them are about getting to dead ends, right? (laughs) Choose Your Own Adventure books in the 80s when I was a kid was about delivering a bunch of dead ends that were pretty unsatisfying and then one or more endings that were actually sort of a, a journey through the book. And Bandersnatch is much more like that. It is not right. nearly as, I think, narratively sound as David Cage's work, which is allowing you to have a, a fully fleshed out story no matter what you do. Right. But that story conforms to the choices that you make. And even his earlier work, I mean, uh, Detroit Become Human, you see all the permutations in a graph at, at the end of each level. But his earlier work, Heavy Rain, was meant to exist in a way where you weren't even aware that you were making these big choices. You weren't even aware that there were paths not taken. It was just your story. And there was no way for you to go back and change anything. It would save the game after every moment of decision. And there weren't big decisions. It wasn't like take the fork in the road left or right or choose to do this or not. You would just play the game and the game would tell you a story that was influenced by the things you decided. But you were just experiencing your story. And then later on, you would talk to somebody and and you'd be like, oh, man, it was crazy when that person died. And they're like, that person didn't die for me. Uh, So it was it was a much more, I think, complex, um, subtle and uh, and sound, you know, sort of uh, a density in storytelling that Bandersnatch isn't really interested in. And those choose your own adventure books weren't really interested in. And I think that is unfortunate for this movie because this becomes about attempt. It, it becomes more like when you go to, you know, a, a sort of a cheesy diner and they have the maze on the table and you start tracing your finger and then you get to a dead end and you're like, oh, well, that's not the way. And then you trace your finger back and you keep you going and, and you're just trying to literally you're just trying to find a way through rather than actually making decisions that you want to make and then seeing how that plays out. Because I started quote unquote playing this movie. I started interacting with this movie the way I do video games where I make decisions that I want to make, that I want the characters to go through. And very quickly it became clear that the, the show wasn't interested in me doing that. Mm -hmm. It would, it would force me into certain ways or it would quickly tell me that that was wrong and make me start over or go back a little ways. So if you talk about it from a sort of game theory perspective or a, or a game industry perspective, it's very simplistic and kind of unsatisfying. 
But if you talk about it from a filmic perspective, it's incredibly ambitious and kind of staggering the amount of things that they shot and the amount of ways that things can go and the wide variety of viewing experiences that you can have. I'm sort of impressed by that, and I think it's a cool exercise. I I admire the chutzpah that it took to to do this, you know? And there are, since we're in total spoiler town, there are a couple of moments where I was like, I want to give you a high five, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to give you a high five. The, the moment, the Netflix moment mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. wonderful. It is, it's, it feels like magic. It feels like magic. And there are a couple of others where I was like, this is really cool. But fundamentally to me, I don't think the story is particularly interesting, and I don't think the characters are particularly interesting. I was never drawn into the plight. I like. I, I guess we're supposed to want his video game to do well, but yeah, yeah. I never really was invested in that, and I was. It was a more of a curiosity of like, whoa, what what can we do, and where can we go, and what weird stuff can happen, but. The story doesn't ever really hold together. Uh, I got to an ending. I watched until I got to an ending. And then I stopped. I didn't really, I wasn't compelled to go back and see other endings. Oh, uh, Jeff. Did did you at least see that it was trying to throw you back into certain points or certain spots? Or did you stop immediately? No, no, no. The ending I got to was the credits. Oh, nice. I, I did a bunch of going backs. Yeah. But oh, I watched oh, okay. until I got to the credits. I see. Okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. Because, no, no, because no, no, some, some some endings don't give you the credits. So right, I don't. Right, right. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess you consider those endings. But anytime and you can it still said, keep going after the credits too. Yeah, I looked at those more of like little dead ends. Uh, but yes, you could definitely go after the credits. But there are endings that are like the show's over. Uh, there are <laughs> endings where you see two televisions and it's like, do you want to go back because you you didn't do, you didn't do the right thing or you yeah. Uh, and I don't consider those th- – those are like the choose-your-adventure, like you fell off the cliff and you're dead. Uh, but then I got to – like I saved my mom and uh, got credits. Like I feel like that was an ending ending, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, That's I'm done. Um, and, but ultimately like you get all this information that seems not to bear out in different versions and I just didn't think – I just didn't think it was particularly satisfying. And mostly that comes down to me not being super invested in the characters themselves, our main character and his plight. I was just more impressed by it and uh, amused by the the cleverness of it rather than actually enjoying the story. I mean, with David Cage games, I am impressed by the wizardry of letting me have big impact on the storyline and making big decisions, especially in Detroit Become Human, for example. Yeah. Well, I will see. say, Jeff, this is the most I've ever heard praise for David Cage games. So <laughs> keep going. Keep going. I, I like I've, I know a lot of people don't like them. I like them. I do. I, I really like Heavy Rain, but everything I haven't even tried Detroit because everything I've read about it hasn't been good. And what was the last one? Was it a uh, Beyond? No, Detroit. I wanted to throw that game out the window Detroit because of how was dumb it was the most recent one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Before that was Beyond Two Souls. Yeah. And I hated that game. So, Yeah. It's it's interesting. I, I know a lot of people have very negative feelings about it. I I I've finished all those games. I loved, uh, not loved. I've very much enjoyed my experience with with those games. Uh, and while heavy handed and awkward sometimes uh, they can be, 
I do think that they succeed in delivering an actual story I'm interested in seeing the outcome of. And this, this I didn't, I was just, I was just much more interested in the gimmick of it. And it's a cool gimmick. It is a cool gimmick. It's, it's a neat gimmick and it it takes advantage of the platform it's on in a really fun way. But ultimately I just didn't think it was all that good. All right. I think this really comes down to, yeah, well, it comes down to, I think broadly games are better at being cinematic then cinema is better at being a game. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly right. And I think that that's what it really comes down to. First of all, for Netflix people, I can't imagine how many people, you know, you play this a couple times, sure, but you don't watch Netflix to do this work or even this mental work of making choices. You know, you kind of just want to veg and sit and watch something. So I think that it's fundamentally incompatible with the platform it's on. Um, I had a fun experience with it. I played about like two to two and a half hours. I saw some really cool stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I didn't really care about the story. The characters weren't super interesting. It wasn't like it was a memorable Black Mirror ride, but it wasn't like a memorable story in any way. The only character I really liked was uh, Colin Rittman, played by uh, Will Poulter, who is he's sort of like the cool Uber hacker who also has a sense of, oh, something something weird is going on. Like, he, he he has a weird sense that free will doesn't exist in that world, and I found that kind of interesting. Uh, I don't think they did that much with that character. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a fun ride. I sat through it with my wife. Uh, we did it for two hours, and that was it. You know, and we didn't think much about it beyond that. Uh, a big problem, too, is that you don't... You need some sort of, like, interface to see, like, okay, you did this and this and this. Can you go back to this point? and try something else uh, because restarting this thing from the beginning and just like going, you know, to a specific point just is a big waste of time. So yeah, so it's interesting, but that's it. I think you put it really well that, yeah, video games have surpassed uh, yeah. movies in terms of look at Red Dead Redemption, Red 2. Dead Redemption 2. Great example. Yeah. Here's the thing that video games have largely figured out is that you can at most, do three to four endings that are satisfying, right, for any given story. And that any video game that has more than that, in general, at least some of those endings are going to suck. And it's really difficult to do one good ending, right, for any any movie or video game. Uh, Jeff, does that strike you as as mostly accurate, what I'm saying, or do you Yeah, I think that's... I think that's... That may be oversimplifying it, but I think, think, yeah, that's that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, and um, I mean, when you look at a a game like Red Dead Redemption, where there's like three to four definitive endings, and you can the choices you make dictate which ending you're going to get, but there's no point at which you're just going to run the car off the road and the the game ends all of a sudden. That's just a terrible experience, and there's many terrible experiences in, in Black Mirror Bandersnatch where a choice comes up. You have no frame of reference for like what you're supposed like. Sure. As you mentioned, like do you, do you even want this character to succeed at the video game? You don't even know. And then you're presented with a choice where it's not clear if w- one choice or the other will bring him to the proper conclusion, right? But that's that's how those choose your own adventure no, books no, no, no. were it's true. too. It's true. Would, yeah, you could dead would, end in, in well, a choose your own adventure. Yeah, more than that too. They would also. Say, you know, do you want to be nice to the guy or be mean to him? He'd be like, you'd be nice. Okay, you're nice. He stabs you in the heart. And you know, it would like set you up for what you think is the is the safe choice to be the dead end. And I think the I think Bandersnatch does some of that as well, where it's like the thing that 
there's a few, especially in the first run through and the first few scenes, it, there are a few things where it's like, no one's not going to pick that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like really trying to get you to do this thing. Right. And that thing is a swerve. So I think it's kind of playing that way too. Yeah, for sure. Know? There's many choices you can make that like dead end you and, and yeah. screw you over. And, you, and, you and at just... least it reboots you real quick. Yeah, it reboots you real quick. And let's just also say the technology is pretty interesting. Like usually Netflix will ca- – like I read a variety story about this where it says like Netflix will cash the next section you're going to watch. But because it's a choose-your-own-adventure, like mm-hmm. y- it needs to cash two things so that there's no yeah. there's no lag when you make a choice. Which um, apparently this whole thing is – bullshit too because the apple tv 4k one of the most (laughs) powerful streaming boxes (laughs) in the world cannot run this experience so when you try to run a little like apology video saying i'm sorry your device just doesn't work on this please use your like phone or your (laughs) three-year-old tv app which can support this it is pretty ridiculous. I think it was. It comes down to like Apple not supporting the open source technology required right. to do this. But this sort of like bifurcating or like separation of content across devices is a nightmare. Right? I've heard people who had to go through like four or five different devices before they were able to watch this thing properly. Yeah, you can't watch it on Apple TV or Chromecast apparently, which is mm-hmm. kind of uh, insane. But uh, yeah, this I found. Bandersnatch to be enormously frustrating and unsatisfying. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you're saying, oh, it's like it's just like the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yeah, there's a reason those books never won awards, Jeff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah. reason they're not regarded as, like, great literature. They sold over 250 million copies, but they're they're not winning, like, tour awards. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not, like... No, I it, it, and yeah. it's because... Um, they were disposable. Yeah, because there's an inherent limit... To how uh, good a book can be if you have like eighteen endings, right? And yeah. and, and I consider like any time the, the game dead end, or the uh, Bandersnatch dead ends as an ending, right? It's an extremely unsatisfying, not fun ending, but it's still an ending to the story. And um, and there's dozens of them, you know. And that, that's it's a it's a terrible experience in my opinion. Um, now, one of the interesting aspects of yeah, there's a lot of people that might say, well, that's the point. That's the point, Dave. It's supposed to be frustrating, right? It's supposed to the, – the, the movie is about the illusion of free will, right? You think you have these choices, but really the filmmaker is dictating what the choice is. Um, the character, Fionn Whitehead's character, thinks he can choose, but really it's you, the viewer, that's dictating choose. You, in your real life, viewer, you think you have free will, but really there's all these other forces at play that are that are driving you to go in one direction or the other. Um, yes. Okay. Fine. That's that's one of the many themes of this uh, show, uh, but that right. doesn't mean that that's something I need to enjoy. It's you not know, super that, interesting. That just yeah. because it, you're, you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to make this viewing experience super frustrating, so that you understand <laughs> how frustrating your own lives are constrained in such right. a manner. And it's like, well, um, uh, that sounds like a terrible thing to, for me to experience, and I don't want to go through it. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean like just because. It's good at illustrating the point. It's like, hey, um, right. you know, uh, I'm going to smash your toes with a hammer so that you may experience what true pain is like. And it's like, well, um, okay, like, you, that's probably going to illustrate that, but that doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy it. Um, that's kind of how I feel about about Bandersnatch. Now, um, yeah, there are some there are some cool endings, right? We can talk about some of the cool endings. Um, so at one point, one of the endings, right, is that uh, the game never comes out because Fionn Whitehead's character needs to murder his dad. 
Um, but <laughs> then, like, uh, someone's daughter, like, Colin's daughter or someone picks it up. And then, like, yeah. they end up making the game that you are playing, right? Like, that's kind of, that was kind of a nice Black Mirror style ending. Were there any other endings that you guys enjoyed? See, they, was it after you choose Netflix? Is that when you get the big action sequence? Yeah, the there's some point where, like, point at which you get the big action sequence, and then, like, that's then so it's revealed fun. that he's on a movie set. Did you get that ending? Yeah. Yeah, that I was didn't pretty get cool. that. Not the uh, movie set. The, yeah, well, yeah, where he, I mean, it's not a movie set. It's more like this, they staged the whole thing to trick right, him into, right. yeah. Um, the, the uh, yeah, that, that sequence to me was the most fun when I was like laughing out loud and smiling <laughs> when Netflix and then explain to him more what it is. He's like, what are you talking about? Right. And then, uh, you know, and then that leads to, uh, um, uh, what did you guys just say? The oh, the action sequence where it's like yeah. he's like, you know, you have the option of, uh, you know, do you want it to do you want it to be more actiony? Yeah, or fuck yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, and you, and, you know, it just goes oh, way over the top and crazy with the fuck yeah, yeah, that was fun. But when he uh, there's an option you can like choose to jump out the window, right? Yeah. If you yeah. if you choose that, then it's revealed that it's like a movie set, right, or a set. But then like mm. Fionn Whitehead's character like he's playing his character in black mirror, but in reality, like in his brain, he's still like the real character. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, wow. so that was pretty, that yeah, one. that was a pretty interesting ending. Um, but, uh, yeah. I got the one where, where, I mean, I got to all the way to the credits on the one where you, uh, go, you go back in time through the mirror and you uh, save your mom from dying. Mm, by, I was trying to get that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you go off with her, but it, it means that you both die. And yes. then it cuts to him sitting alone in the chair or sitting in the chair in the psychiatrist's office. Right. And he goes comatose. Um, so you go with her. I guess you just die together. That's a pretty messed that up is. ending. Like you, that you'd rather yeah. like die with your mom than live with your dad, basically. Yeah. Is is what that is. Dad is kind of a dick, I guess. So. But then I mean, there's, there's a whole, there was a whole thing about the dad being part of this organization, and he's not really their dad. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's they, like contr- mind controlling everything, right? That was yeah, and it was all faked. Yeah. The, his entire childhood was a planted memory that wasn't fake. And, you know, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, the audacity of of it, and the sheer amount of stuff that is in there, and like, there's a hidden website that has the actual games that you can play on a real emulator uh you know it's all of the sort of busy work of it is i think very impressive and cool i just didn't care you know yeah, and and i wish that like even in red dead redemption 2 like uh, you know I, I hate to be a broken record but like games really are better at this now than than this movie was certainly i mean even red dead redemption 2 like you're choosing between being a good guy or a bad guy like you have the choice <laughs> The the choices you make throughout the game inform which ending you're gonna get, and uh, that's that's really compelling. Whereas like yeah. in here, you don't you basically don't even have the choice because you don't even know which option is going to bring you to the the outcome that you want. Right? Like right. okay, work with the team of people at the office or do it on your own. First right. of all, one of those leads you to a dead end, which is super dumb. But then yeah. it's like. You don't even know which one of those is preferable. Like you it, don't it, even know. it may be kind of unfair to compare 
those two directly, I guess, because it's it is not trying to be the same thing. But most directly, right. it is like the choose your own adventure book. It yeah. is sort of like you have two paths. What do you do? Who knows? Who knows? If you had a book that was like an e-reader and you couldn't like hold the pages right and you just had to make a leap. That's pretty much it. But yeah, the, the thing about Red Dead, which I just finished, or at least the main part of it, um, you know, you live as that character in a way too. like you're right. role playing as Arthur Morgan. So a lot of those choices are just like things you're naturally making and not like these binary things. Although there are points in that game where you're like, yeah, you could choose to kill somebody or let them go or make them pay or whatever. Um, yeah. It, it I just is. don't think this, this was making any overall point No, because no. everything, every thread was so disjointed and so unconnected with a, a parallel thread that it didn't add up to anything. It was just like, oh, in this crazy universe, it's this, or in this crazy choice, it's this. And I felt like it was on on the way to something with the whole, like, you're just a person watching. I'm being controlled by this person that's watching me. That's an interesting idea of like, oh, we're doing a meta commentary on entertainment and, and stuff. But even that goes nowhere, and it ultimately isn't even about that. It's just a fun speed bump on the way. So... It just didn't add up to anything, really. I think it's a fun experiment, at least like uh, with the last season of Black Mirror. I definitely I felt like some stories were just kind of a stretch where things were getting kind of samey. I'm thinking of like the insurance adjuster one, which had a great premise and then ended up just feeling like a bad noir movie. So at least this is something fresh. It's a little different. Nice to see Charlie Brooker like trying some new ideas out there. And it. I just love that Black Mirror is the only thing like this. You know, it, well, there, there's Minecraft. There's a Minecraft uh, yeah. story mode game, which is the same exact thing, by the way. It's the same interactive tech. Um, it launched a couple weeks ago. I think that that's like the remnants of the Telltale stuff. I'm not quite sure mm. how that's all connected, but that's it's the same thing, same tech. Well, but I, what I mean yeah. is it, it's the only show that is having playing like this and surprising its audience. And, you know, like every episode of black mirror, it just seems like an event because it's so creative and outside the box and anything is possible. And yeah, now we're doing this with it. You know, it's, I just love that this series exists. Yep. Agreed. I'm still looking, despite how negative my experience was with Bandersnatch, I'm still looking forward to black mirror season five. For sure. Uh, which is apparently coming around late 2019. That's what I hear. Right. Um, Oh, okay. So it does seem like a Christmas that this was season five. So then it got confusing. Yeah. No, the, like this is like delayed um, season five, uh, which is coming in 2019. So, um, yeah. It's uh, like shooting like several movies, basically, like a prolonged. It movie was like shoot. five hours of content, is my understanding, for Bandersnatch. So, yeah. I will also say it, the content looks good. Like, I love the way the footage is done. Uh, it's David Slade doing it. Uh, really a big fan of him. He gets some of that, like, the his footage always has, like, a metallic sheen to it, in a way. Uh, so it reminded me of Hannibal at times, which he did a lot of. It was kind of funny that, like, whenever there's a choice, like, this kind of dark cloud <laughs> descended upon <laughs> his face. I thought that was kind of <laughs> interesting visual to denote, like, oh, the critical moment happening in this guy's life right now. Um, did you guys get to the moment where you have to put in, like, a five-digit number? Yeah. Yes. I thought that was the coolest, most video gamey part, <laughs> you know, where it's like I actually have to have paid attention I at did. some point. Well, yeah. it's also they're well, repeating it. To yeah, you they repeat it to you like over and over again. Yeah, I know, but you have to pay attention to that <laughs> what? as you're inputting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, those are our thoughts on Bandersnatch. Uh, still psyched about Black Mirror season five, uh, but 
Let's talk about Bird Box. How have you been feeling? Have you been sleeping any better? Oh, rough. Then again, I never slept well before. This condition. Condition? It's called pregnancy. It's okay to say it out loud. Something's happened. Can you just please drive? Did you see something? Devendra, this is a movie you want to talk about. This is a movie that, according to Netflix, 45 million people have watched at least 70% of, which is really impressive. Okay. Uh, but what uh, what'd you think of this movie with Sandra Bullock uh, about a thing that, that will get you if you look at it? We are really uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel for post-apocalyptic ideals right now. Uh, I, I'm a fan of movies like this, and the fact that it was uh, written by Eric Heiserer, I think uh, from what I read, there was maybe some other writing thing, like other people maybe contributed to the script, uh, made me want to pay attention to this because he did Arrival, and I thought that ended up being a great film. Also, this movie is directed by Susan Beer, who is the last person I expected to do something like this. Um she most recently she did the night manager that show on AMC, but also she did after the wedding with Mads Mikkelsen, which is a great little film. Uh, this is a really weird post-apocalyptic movie. Like it just feels very strange coming after a quiet place when you had creatures that you couldn't make sounds. Now you can't see them. I, I think there are some great sequences here, especially like the first discovery sequence where just everything goes to shit and people start to realize like what's happening uh and and there's some great sequences throughout in terms of like set pieces but man is this a messy movie where like so much of it doesn't make sense and by the end it's just like i i was watching it to see like if it would get any better but it was also like enjoyable in how bad it was at times jeff canada overall thoughts on bird box well dave i guess you could say my thoughts are best summed up in the form of a limerick mm, nice mm. Another post-apocalyptic case, this time with a blindfold on your face. It's got tension galore, but I liked it more when it was called A Quiet Place. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, yeah, Quiet Place is the movie to watch. If you want to watch the uh, this kind of movie, just go watch it. There's no Sandra Bullock in A Quiet Place, so. True, and she's great. There's a good cast in this movie. Uh, which isn't to say this movie doesn't have some merit. It, there are moments that are really tension-filled, very uh, intense. Um, I happen to enjoy the fact that it is a post-apocalyptic movie, but also a currently apocalyptic movie. It is a <laughs> during the apocalypse um, for a lot of the movie, and that stuff to me is the most fun uh, the like figuring it out, dealing with it, what's going to happen. And there is a harrowing sequence uh, w- that involves birthing babies. Oh, uh, that is, uh, I mean, that is just, it, it, it gets you uh, hard. It's, it is a terrifying moment. Um, and the underlying idea, the underlying uh, boogeyman here. Which the movie goes way out of its way to give an explanation to it, <laughs> the most, the most belabored way. 
uh, by having literally having a character who just happens to be writing a book about it. Um, but like this idea of uh, if good people look at this thing, they want to kill themselves. And if bad people look at this thing, they love it. That's fucking scary as hell. It, uh, it's a good concept. Yeah, really good concept. Mm-hmm. I, like I, also, I also have to say I love uh, there's a small genre of movies or a small like niche of movies of blindfolded people doing cool things. <laughs> and this movie is right there. Uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, Intacto, the Spanish mm-hmm. film that was about like Ooh. the power of luck, which is that movie has a great virtuoso sequence where it's just like people blindfolded running through a forest full oh, speed. Yeah. And Book that's an Eli? image. Yeah, book of you. Well, as long as we recognize they were blind, right? Um, <laughs> also thinking of uh, what was it? There's a Bruce Lee movie where he has to blindfold himself. Is that is that Enter the Dragon? But like there, there's a blind fighting sequence, and also like that animatrix sequence too. The blind yeah. fight. Um, um you fist, know, fist of Legend too. There you go, um, Fist of Legend. The that's Jet what I'm thinking. I'm Jet thinking Lee movie, Jet Lee right? One. Fist of Legend. Is that, and is that, that? Yeah, I think that's the one. It, it is Fist of Legend. Yeah, that's a great fight, and uh, just like yeah, blindfold because it shows like oh, I don't, I don't even have to see to be as cool as I am, and this movie kind of does that. There's some great sequences that happen while people are blindfolded. Yes, but I, I, I think you guys are. I think that is almost literally insane what you were just saying. Just now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're right that those are great sequences that you just alluded to, but the problem with this movie is that. It just inherently looks goofy to have people covering their eyes uh, in any scenario. Like it, I it would just, say it looks cool. It it just it's, it's, their it's, own. Just, it's like it's like they're playing peekaboo. Like oh, someone's gonna open the door. You gotta cover your eyes now. Like it's just it just is like well, they're playing peekaboo. You see, you see the literal cost of what it means to even open your eyes a bit. You know, I, I think it it does kind of justify itself, but I don't know. Like it, it the blindfoldedness also comes into like. The heavy-fisted, uh, the heavy themes that this movie's trying to portray of like motherhood, and uh, how you need to open yourself up to it in yeah. a way. So I, I she's blind expected, to love and motherhood, basically. I fully expected this movie to reveal that it was all some sort of fever dream as she was giving birth. <laughs> that was like her accepting being a mother. Uh, it didn't go there, but I fully, yeah. I was like, that's totally what this. This is all this. This crazy journey for her to accept being a mother, and now she can be a mother. Now the ending is just very dumb. How about yeah, that? the ending is super dumb? The the, the <laughs> most egregious. And we're in spoilers, right? Yeah, we're let's spoiling. just say we're yeah. going to be spoiling Bird Box, but yeah, uh, we already have really. But um, uh, th- there are there's a there are moments that are really good. There are moments that are really good. Uh, there are a lot that aren't. There's a, there's this fundamental moment where she has her sort of naturally birthed son and someone else's daughter in the boat and she's got to decide who's gonna look to get through the rapids <laughs> and she's like and, no we're all dying <laughs> we're all dying i mean so that choice that sort of um um uh sophie's choice of mm-hmm. of which child to die it, it got me it was a very powerful moment but her solution is so unimaginative and bad. And and literally, like, there is no universe in which two five-year-olds getting dumped into the rapids both survive. There's no universe in where that happens. And and neither of them open their eyes. It's It's like, yeah, like, you have to, 
you got to you write yourself into that problem. You got to write yourself out of it in a in a more believable way than just well, we toppled over and they have. 